Welcome to Sunday service, everyone. It's such a joy to be here together. My name is Nayaswami Anandi. This is Nayaswami Bharat. We want to welcome those of our guests who've come from afar, of which there are many. Any of you who are here for the new, uh, first time, and of course our um, online community. Um, if you are new to Ananda and you, if you have questions, we have a greeter after the service at the front desk who can answer your questions. So we'll begin with a reading from a Rays of the One Light, which is weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. This week's reading is called The Importance of Soul Receptivity. It's week six, and for those of us who are disciples of Yogananda, of Christ, of God in any form, I really recommend you read this again. It's, it's quite um, reassuring and moving. The importance of soul receptivity. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Chapter 1 of the Gospel of St. John states, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This was a passage that Paramahansa Yogananda often quoted to his disciples. Be in tune, he would tell them. Delusion can't touch you if you will keep in tune. A few of you will fall, he said once, but it needn't be if you would stay in tune. Of a disciple who became highly advanced, even though she didn't meditate much, he said, she got there by attunement. To one who found meditation difficult, he said, I will meditate for you as long as you stay in tune. Truth is a state of consciousness, not a well-worded definition. It is that consciousness above all that our, it is in that consciousness above all that our lives are transformed. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the 10th chapter, to those who are ever attached to me and who worship me with love, I impart discernment by means of which they attain me. Out of my love for them, I, the divine within them, set a light in them, the radiant lamp of wisdom, thereby dispelling the darkness of their ignorance. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, 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 oh. I too would like to welcome you to Sunday service. Thank you. 
I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity. Tune us that we may hear thy voice. Volumes of thy Savior voice resound through the loudspeaker of every loving heart. The voice of thy wisdom roams through the ether of space, seeking everywhere hearts that are tuned to ecstasy. Sadly, thy warning sermon pass unheard by souls deafened with the static of sense pleasures. O divine broadcaster, tune our souls long distracted by the static of our indifference. Fine tune us with the delicate touch of soul perception. Grant us the privilege of hearing thy magic melodies in the ecstasy of divine awakening. <clears throat> to those that received him gave he the power to become the sons and daughters of God. I wrote an article for the Daily Meditator about the power of the guru some time ago. Uh, and uh, there was a woman who responded. Uh, well, many people responded, not just one. Uh, and uh, she was a devotee of another path. And uh, she'd been meditating, she said, for 22 years. And she had reached different plateaus in her meditation. Uh, but she just felt like she wasn't going deeper, that there was a lot more uh, that she could experience. And she thought about that for a long time, wondering what, what could she do? And then she remembered uh, the stories of all the saints that she read about and how each saint, uh, to become free, uh, tuned into the power of their guru and were carried uh, to the far shores, infinite shores of freedom uh, by their guru. And so she very deliberately installed the guru in her heart and she started to just feel that uh, every, uh, she just kept the, her guru inside, but uh, every person she met, uh, she saw her guru. Everything in nature uh, was her guru. And once she started doing that, uh, she just felt, I just couldn't believe the progress I started making uh, with my meditation. And it was by the power of my guru. And, uh, and of course, uh, we understand that, uh, don't we? Because we, it always keeps coming back uh, uh, to, to the guru. Uh, Swami, when he first came to uh, Yogananda at Mount Washington, uh, he, um, he, just, uh, he just was real struck by the more he tuned into uh, Yogananda, the more his life uh, just flowed effortlessly and smoothly. And it's not that you will never have difficulties on the spiritual path, uh, but, uh, but this is what he noticed. And he also said that uh, he saw in the people coming to Ananda, and we've seen this in our own lives, on how uh, our power to advance on the path is much, much further than the individual efforts uh, that we make. Uh, isn't that so? Just uh, we've seen it in our friends and in ourselves. When I first came to Ananda, uh, very on. I had been in another monastery uh, before, uh, but I asked Swami, uh, does, does he have any um, advice for my meditation? And Swami said, keep Divine Mother first. And I had just come from a Zen monastery, and sometimes we meditated 10 hours a day and <laughs> things like that. And, um, and so I, about that time, I had a dream and, uh, that taught me 
more about this principle. Uh, in my dream, I, I grew up in the Sacramento Valley uh, near the uh, Sutter, uh, Sutter Buttes, and I was riding my bicycle through a grain field. And the sky was very expansive, and I like birds, and out of the sky, a large falcon came flying next to me as I was riding my bicycle. And the bird looked at me, and I looked at the bird, and birds don't have teeth, but it felt like this uh, falcon was smiling at me. <laughs> and, uh, and then it started to go a little faster. Well, the, the bird was so magnetic that uh, I wanted to stay with the bird, the falcon. So I started paddling faster uh, to stay with the falcon. And then it looked over again at me. Uh, and then it started going even faster. And so with all my effort, I pedaled to stay with the falcon. Uh, and, um, and then it looked at me again almost to say, well, can you do this? And then it started just soaring really fast. And, uh, and I realized I couldn't keep up with the bird. But then I felt my bicycle just flowing with the bird. And then the bird went in the sky, and uh, I just left my bicycle and went into the sky uh, with the bird. And I think that was the second part of uh, more of the experiential, experiential part of Swami's advice, because uh, the, the dream came right uh, after I saw him. And uh, this is... Uh, you know, where uh, we, well, Master said that uh, without the avatars, uh, a devotee couldn't really seek God because they really wouldn't know how to do it. They wouldn't have uh, the, the tremendous example of how to do it. Uh, Yogananda said that uh, by our very conduct, uh, we disclose uh, whether we're living to be with the Lord or if we're just wanting his gifts. And uh, God uh, will not tell us that, um, you know, you should, just, you should love me before anything else. Uh, of course he wouldn't say that. Uh, but he wants us to come to that understanding because that's how his love is for us. It's unconditional. And he wants to have us become on that same way, same wavelength of giving uh, that, that God is. And he said, that's the secret to the game of this universe, is to come to that realization, uh, to put God first. Uh, and once the devotee decides that it's God that I want, uh, we, we have a few million lifetimes of not really seeking God. And, uh, and then we start wanting God, and, but then we want other things. There's a sort of transitional period. And we've been sort of, I don't know, uh, Maybe I can't say that about any of you. Maybe you aren't lukewarm anymore. You're just ready to go. And I think this, this is the, the point that we're, we're really coming to. Uh, but, um, but God wants to test the devotee to see, um, you know, how strong is their love. And, uh, and so he will come uh, to encourage us, but then he might recede. Uh, and, uh, and to see, well, what, do you, what will you do now? Um, uh, will you become diverted or... Um, um, do you love me? There's a really beautiful story about a devotee of Krishna and named Shirdas. And uh, Shirdas had had enough of this sort of on and off of love for God. He just loved God and, and very, very intensely. And Shirdas was blind. And wherever he went somewhere, he had to walk with a stick uh, to navigate. And one day as he was walking on the road, 
uh, he uh, got a little bit off the road and he fell into a pit. And Krishna, uh, who keeps track of all his devotees and even people who aren't the devotees yet, um, saw Suridas in the pit. And so he came to Suridas as a 10-year-old boy. And uh, Krishna came uh, as the boy and grabbed his hand and pulled him out of the pit and, and uh, came back to the road again. And then uh, Krishna uh, was releasing his hand on Suridas's hand and was going to uh, run away. Uh, but Suridas uh, tried to hold on to Krishna's hand, and, uh, but he wasn't quick enough. And Krishna, uh, Krishna went off running and laughing. And Krishna, uh, uh, Suridas said, Krishna, you think you're very clever. <laughs> You may run away from me externally, but I have tied you to my heart with the strong cords of love. It won't be so easy for you to forget me and to run away. And it takes that kind of love. Uh, and God can't uh, run away or won't run away because we've learned a lesson, as Master said, of the universe, uh, that, uh, of just putting God first and only God, and eventually just seeing God uh, as the only, only reality. God is a God of spirit, and we have to worship him uh, in spirit. Uh, Master Yogananda said that the energy, uh, our energy, or most people, uh, is trapped in the body. And because it's trapped in the body, we can't lift it up. Uh, to worship God in spirit in the higher centers. And of course, the whole techniques of the Pathakriya Yoga withdraw that energy and, and lift it up. And uh, Yogananda said that then our energy unites with the infinite cosmic energy and we expand beyond the body. As John Muir, who is having transcendental experiences in the Yosemite said the body vanishes and the freed soul goes abroad. And that's what happens in deep meditation or deep prayer uh, when we're just absorbed with God. I'm uh, writing um, a book on flow learning and uh, I do a lot of work in China and Japan and uh, Southeast Asia. And uh, they're really into Taoism, particularly in Japan. And, and so I've been reading a little bit about uh, Taoism uh, for the book, just to I use a lot of examples in yoga. Uh, but uh, the Chinese, when they mention their, their classical uh, um, traditions, they, they really come alive. And there was a, a Taoist hermit uh, sitting by the river. And he said, or he wrote, the sound of water is what I think. He was so absorbed in the river, there wasn't anything else but the sound of water. And I was thinking about that with the Om technique. Uh, when you listen to the uh, inner sound of the second chakra, uh, it makes uh, a watery sound, doesn't it? And uh, when we're listening uh, to Om, uh, we're, we're trying to be so absorbed that it's only the inner sounds that we hear. And when we're praying in God, we, we want to have that uh, total concentration. What is concentration? It's sincerity and yearning on our part. And uh, when we uh, can bring ourselves totally 
uh, that way, we, we, that's when we start to draw uh, on that inner, inner reality. So uh, that's, of course, why we have all these different uh, techniques is to really attune to God. Yogananda said that many people in other traditions that don't have yoga, uh, they may start the spiritual path uh, with a lot of dynamic effort and energy, uh, but then after a while, they lose their way and uh, their uh, devotion may not be as strong. Often it, it, it wanes away just because uh, they aren't touching God again uh, in a deep way. It's important. Uh, one story I wanted to just uh, refresh our memory about, because we've all read the autobiography of Yogi, is when uh, Shik Teshwar was uh, expounding on the scriptures uh, to Yogananda when he was uh, um, newly in the, in the ashram. And uh, Yogananda said that whenever he would um, have the, just a moment of a little, just a brief moment of absent mindedness, um, Shikteshwar would just stop and saying that you aren't concentrating enough. I, I can't share these deep truths uh, when your mind is so diverted. And uh, Yogananda complained. He said, I, um, I didn't move my body. I could repeat every word you said. <laughs> and, uh, and then Shikteshwar said, well, uh, you were thinking about building three institutions. Um, there was a, a, a civilian, a civilian, a forest retreat <laughs> in, uh, in the plains of his raunchy school. Uh, he was thinking of the big building on Mount Washington, which is the American headquarters for his work. And then uh, the hermitage by the ocean, which was uh, uh, Encinitas. All things that are very, very important and bless many people. But even on that level, uh, Sheikh Teshwar said, it's time to stop now. You, you aren't concentrating. And I was a little bit, uh, not shocked, uh, but uh, maybe you could say concerned, uh, when Swami said that even the thought that you're meditating, that even the thought that you're meditating is enough to take you out of a deep meditation. And, uh, and I think all of us have had moments where we've been so absorbed that it is only God. And um, like as Swami says, that when we go deep in Om, we witness a greater reality, and we realize that we're a part of that great reality. And of course, that's what we want, and that's what keeps us going, and that's what keeps us um, meditating regularly, uh, and, um, and just uh, like a magnet of trying to draw, draw that depth. Yogananda talked a lot about um, getting out of the carping spirit. Of course, that's so much part of the Bhagavad Gita as well. And the carping spirit is of the ego. Uh, it's saying, I could do better in this than how it's being done or how you're doing it or whatever. And, we, we, and that separates us from everything else. And when we get rid of the carping spirit, our whole life becomes positive, and we're living on the level of truth, uh, of God's truth. And we become like a child. And we aren't uh, weighing in on everything 
the, uh, uh, having to have our say. Uh, the Buddha once said that people of rigid opinions uh, go around the world annoying people. <laughs> and so, um, but w there's just more of a, a, a listening quality. And, and uh, Master was uh, asked often, you know, why did Rajasi Janakananda, his most highest disciple, why did he progress so quickly uh, on the path? And um, Yogananda said that Rajasi, he knows how to listen, not just to the Om technique, but listen to the vibrations of the guru uh, and, um, and just, just totally uh, immersed in that. There's, um, I read about um, a, a comment that a, a lieutenant made, uh, he was part of the uh, United States Army, and it was during the, the Battle of the Bulge. And uh, he had his platoon there on the front lines, and uh, there was all kinds of shelling that was landing right on the platoon. And uh, all his troops were in their foxholes, and he was running around to each uh, foxhole, making sure everybody knew what to do and if they were okay. And uh, one soldier was hunkered way down deep in his foxhole, and he shouted at the lieutenant, where's your foxhole? Because he hadn't seen him in his foxhole. And the uh, lieutenant said, uh, uh, if I had a foxhole, I'd probably be in it, but he didn't. Uh, and because he realized that the way to serve his troops in the highest way, the troops under his care, was to not have a foxhole, but to just be totally present and uh, with his troops. And you know, Christ said that uh, the foxes have their den and the birds of the sky have their nest, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And when we come to the point of having nothing anymore that limits us, uh, that confines us, then our consciousness just will merge, and there's nothing to hold it back, and we, we merge into infinity. You know, uh, it's a real, today in the world, not only in the United States, but uh, in Europe and so many other places, there's a lot of strife in the world, and there's a lot of things that are facing uh, humanity and all the species on the earth. And, uh, you know, it, it, sometimes it's overwhelming for people. I saw a headline today, I didn't read it, but about how children were just, um, have so much anxiety about the world that's gonna be theirs when they grow up. And uh, there's a beautiful story about a saint. Uh, he was a saint actually who visited Ananda in our early years. And, uh, this saint was walking with three of his disciples and uh, behind him, and there was a, on a, a, a park with grass. And one of the uh, disciples, uh, a woman, she was uh, walking barefooted, and she could feel uh, just the, the, the warmth and the, the wetness of the grass, and she was enjoying walking on the earth and the beauty of the day. And she... Um, started to notice, well, she actually, she was feeling like everything was alive around her uh, to some degree. 
And then she started to realize that every time she put her foot on the ground, there were things living there in the earth, and that she, she was probably harming them in some way. Uh, and then, because um, uh, then uh, she looked at, at her teacher, and every time he stepped, and then he lifted his foot, the grass sprung up like that. And uh, she said, well, that's interesting. And so then she said, well, I wonder if that's happening to uh, my two fellow disciples and I as we're walking. And she looked, and she saw that the grass was flattened every, time, every step that they took, and it didn't come up. And so they um, came to their teacher, and they said, Swamiji, how come when you step on the grass and then lift your foot off the grass, the grass perks right up? And then how come when we step on the grass, it stays flat, flattened? And um, there Swamiji said, he came, had a sweet, uh, reverent expression on his face. And, uh, and then he brought his hand to his heart. And he said, um, the earth knows that I revere her. And when I walk on her, I feel that I'm walking on my mother's bosom. And to those who are immersed in God, every step blesses everyone they meet. You know, I was thinking about duality. You know, we, uh, duality means that there's an opposite and an opposition to everything. And there's just so much reactive energy. And, uh, and then you, you have the ohm, which is called the pristine vibration. Uh, somebody said that, well, if it's vibrating, that means it's in a duality because there's movement. Uh, but ohm is called the unstruck sound because it's not in friction. It's not coming against any other reality. It's just the presence of God manifesting and, uh, and sharing his love with all creation. And so when we tune into the stillness of Hong Sa, experience of breathlessness, become absorbed in our prayer, just think of our others totally as we share the divine light with them, uh, we're getting into that center where there's no reaction, there's no duality, no opposite. And this is what the world needs today. It doesn't need one more thing that is forgotten a few years later, or one more issue to uh, get excited about. It just needs stillness, stillness of heart, purity of heart. And the more that there are people like us, we all wouldn't be here unless uh, this is our experience that we're going deeper and deeper in as we progress on the path. But it, it's that quality of stillness, of being one with the Spirit, that we will start to feel that harmony with all creation. And we'll be able to transform creation. It's when we go into the Om vibration, Yogananda said, 
uh, that we harmonize and we have mastery over all vibratory creation. Uh, and, uh, and then we go into the Christ consciousness in that stillness that Om takes us to there and then to, uh, it'll all be our destiny of, of cosmic consciousness. And this is uh, what the world needs. And this is what we have to share. Swami has often said that the schools at, at Ananda, the Ananda itself, is one of the most important places on the planet. And why is that? That's where people are coming to this experience, this realization. And just like that Swami didn't compress the grass, that grass just came up and remained vital and untouched. Uh, every action that we do uh, won't, uh, will be like riding on water eventually, but there, there won't be the, the consequences uh, that you normally see from action. Uh, because um, the, the Taoists, they have a saying that the mind's going to think, the ear's going to hear, uh, the body's going to move. Uh, but when we're anchored in the stillness, then nothing can touch us. And we don't touch anything else um, on that level of dissension, but on a level of spirit. So bless us all. Long I've called you, my Lord, long I've called you. Many years I have longed for your sight. May the darkness with tears of devotion offered Your love.